Restaurant Unstoppable, episode 273. Between stimulus and response, there is a space. In that space is our power to choose our response. In our response lies our growth and our freedom. Are you ready for it factors, success stories, failures, and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge? Then, join Eric Cacciatore and today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become unstoppable. Are you short on time when it comes to training your restaurant staff? Well, if you are, don't worry. I'm sure you're not alone. But there is light at the end of the tunnel. You can find that light by visiting Tipsy for a whole library of video courses delivered by world barista champions, leading sommeliers, marketing gurus, and customer service superstars. Learn more by clicking the Tipsy banner in the show notes. If you choose to subscribe today, you'll get a special 50% discount because your restaurant unstoppable listeners get on it. Menuvative by iMenu Tech has been the pioneer of cloud to tablet menu publishing for over five years. By using Menuvative, you'll reduce your costs, increase guest spending, and provide a better guest experience by being more informative. Find the banner in the show notes or head over to iMenuTech.com to learn more. Again, that's iMenuTech.com. One more time, iMenuTech.com. With excitement, allow me to introduce to you today's guest, Jerry Posner. Jerry, tell me you're feeling unstoppable today. Well, yeah. I mean, it beats the alternative. (laughs) Yes, sir. So Jerry Posner is an accomplished training specialist, a conference speaker, author, and ukulele player. For more than 25 years, he's presented engaging and entertaining workshops and programs for restaurants and hospitality industries, as well as a variety of other businesses. And I can't wait to uh, dive into today's topic. But Jerry, like always, we need to get that motivational, inspirational ball rolling with a success quote or mantra. What do you have for us? I have two for you today, Eric. Okay, the first one is one of my favorites, and I have used this quotation in my programs for 30 years. This is like my favorite quotation. It's from uh, Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr. And Dr. King said, We may have all come on different ships, but we're in the same boat now. And Dr. King may have been referring to the fact that our parents or our grandparents or our ancestors came here from somewhere else, but we're all here now. But I look at this quotation that we in the restaurant business, in the hospitality industry, uh, we've all come on our own individual path to be where we are today. There are people who own restaurants and run restaurants who started as dishwashers or perhaps they were in some other field and for some reason, you know, something happened and they got very interested in in working in restaurants. And, you know, there are many paths that that everyone follows, individual paths, because people are individuals, but we're on the same boat in many respects. Uh, We have opportunities. Um, we have privileges, um, we have potential. 
And so we're in the same boat in the sense that we're all human. We all have a nervous system. We all have a brain and stuff. (laughs) And we have potential. Mm. And we've all gotten here in our own individual, unique uh, ways. So I've always loved that quotation. You know, we may have all come on different ships, and we sure did. Yeah, but we're all in the same boat now. Jerry, I love I love that quote. And I, I before you do you want to before you go on to the next quote, I'm going to let you finish. I, but I do want to add something before you hit the next quote. I just want to point out being on the same boat. Um, like you said, that has so many different possible meanings. But for me, when I hear that being on the same boat, what I think of is having the same mission. Mm-hmm. Um, and. I, I feel like that's a place where people just with they miss the, they miss the the target they don't ever create the mission the vision the purpose of that restaurant and when you when you do that when you can bring everybody onto that boat <laughs> yeah, beautiful things boat. happen yeah absolutely um, that's well, what that's I the, go ahead yeah that's the other thing about that that quotation um, our teams our teams at work mm. we're all in the same boat that is you know if if we're rowing in the same direction, if it's a rowboat, then we're moving forward. If some people are rowing in one direction and other people are rowing in the other direction, then we go around in circles or we go backwards <laughs> yeah. or we sink. <laughs> so, yes, we're all in the same boat. So we all have to um, understand what our crew position is on the boat and to have the competency and the attitude and the love and the the devotion and the intelligence to uh, get the boat going in the right direction for the benefit of the entire crew. I love it. Okay, hit us with that second quote. Second quote comes from one of my heroes, Dr. Viktor Frankl. Dr. Frankl was a uh, psychologist in Vienna, Austria in the late 1930s, and because of his religion, when the Nazis occupied Austria, he and his family were arrested and uh, sent to concentration camp. Dr. Frankl did not have to go to concentration camp, actually. He could have gotten a visa because of his position, but because his whole family went, he went to. So he endured unspeakable hardships, in Nazi concentration camps and wrote a book about it called Man's Search for Meaning, which is considered one of the pivotal works of the last hundred years. And Dr. Frankel has many notable quotations, but the one that I like that is relevant to us today is this. Dr. Frankel said, between stimulus and response, there is a space. In that space is our power to choose our response. In our response, lies our growth and our freedom. Man, I've heard that quote before and it's so powerful. I I feel like we get so caught up in our emotions and we let things take over, but we have the ability to control it if we recognize it. And that's what that quote is saying to me. How how does this sing to you? Well, that is the basis of practically everything that I teach It's about how to be more responsive and less reactive, how to um, be more um, conscious and more aware and more in control of our behavior, uh, how we treat people, how we treat ourselves, our beliefs, our biases, our prejudices, um, our perspectives. In other words, to think before we speak. Mm -hmm. 
um, to, um, you know, I mean, it's all cliches. Mm-hmm. You know, the cliches are, are intelligent, you know, <laughs> think before you speak, look before you leap, count to 10 before you get mad, although I like to say count to 20 or 30. But there's science behind that. That's what's Absolutely. exciting to me, that there's neuroscience behind this very simple yet powerful bit of wisdom. The trick is to remember it and to develop it into a habit so that it becomes part of us, that we yep. become that person who naturally will pause and think, well, what's my most appropriate response here? You know, do I need to calm myself down? Do I need to take a walk before I get really angry at someone I work with or one of my guests or some, you know, a friend or or a loved one? You know, the idea of well, it, 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 it's science. I mean, there's a science and an art to, to managing stress, which uh, we could talk about a bit today. Oh, I'm sure we will. And, you know, just another thing that listening to you talk, I was reflecting back on Cameron Mitchell, uh, who was a past guest on the show of, you know, uh, Cameron Mitchell Restaurants, uh, great success. And he was talking about how restaurants, they, they the, the good restaurants, are, they're good because they create their systems, their processes, their procedures. But the great restaurants have that too, but they teach their people how to think. And that's, mm-hmm. those are like these, um, these, what, what's the word you use? The, not the quotes, but they're, um, uh, I can't think of the word, but the, they're the, the core values, the, the, the things that are important to us, the how to treat people, like they, mm-hmm. they go that extra layer and they develop, uh, emotional intelligence and social intelligence within their people. And, and that's what separates the good from the great restaurants, in my opinion. One of the, the many things, but a, a big part of it. So I just love where we're headed off, uh, where, where we are already with this interview. And uh, I want to, the listeners to learn a little bit more about you. So why don't you do, I gave you know, a, a quick interview, or sorry, introduction of who you are. But why don't you dive a little bit deeper and tell us about how you got into uh, coaching and uh, training these, these restaurants and how, kind of where you got, how you got to where you are today. Well, okay. I'll give. I'll. I'll try to summarize yeah, this please. for you. Um, when I was in my early twenties, I had a near-death experience living in Boston. I was almost murdered, but oh, I wow. didn't die. And as a result of that, I became very interested in how to be a, a, I guess, a better person. How to be more positive. How to be more optimistic. Because uh, for a week or two after that event, uh, I was unusually happy <laughs> and unusually <laughs> positive. And then after that, I kind of went back to my normal self, which was not awful, but it was not quite as positive and optimistic. So, you know, it had its baggage and, and anxieties and worries and, and cynicism. You know, I mean, I'm, a, you know, I'm in my early 20s. I'm living in Boston. And I became really interested in how people become more positive. And I approached this from many different angles over the, the years that followed. Um, including I, I published a magazine called The Positive Times. I did a radio show called Positive Radio. I had a, t- a cable TV show called Positive Television. So I was into the positive approach, you know, positive, to be more optimistic, to see things in, in a more um, positive light, you know, positive, positive, positive. <laughs> Over time, I developed l- workshops and seminars that were based on uh, cognitive science, and neuroscience and all of the research being done in the field being called positive psychology. I'm not a psychologist or, or doctor. Uh, my degree is actually in mass communications. Um, I went to Emerson College in, in Boston. And um, 
I just started developing uh, media, that is uh, the magazine, and I started writing. I wrote a couple of books, and I started uh, developing workshops and seminars and lectures. And through an amazingly lucky break, um, I was invited to speak at a place called Canyon Ranch uh, Resort in Lenox, Massachusetts. I live in western Massachusetts now. I moved here in 1989 after living in Southern California um, and moving from Boston and originally northern New Jersey. So I'm living in the Berkshires of western Massachusetts, and I get essentially a lucky break. Someone was sick, a speaker was sick, and someone who knew me said, oh, I know this guy is kind of a motivational speaker, and I was invited to speak. And they liked my talk. Awesome. And they kept inviting me back to, to give lectures, uh, motivational. I developed these programs that were kind of equal entertainment and really good content and just some really great talks. Um, gratitude was a big one, um, Practical Power of Gratitude, uh, Ways to Make the Butterfly Effect Work for You, um, it's just a bunch of talks. And it was this anyway, talk where you, you met uh, the folks over at Margarita's. In 1997, I'm giving a talk, and there's this guy in my audience and, and his mom. And afterward, this guy comes up to me, and he says, I really liked your talk. And I said, thanks. And he said, my brother and I own some restaurants. Uh, maybe you could do something for our managers. And I said, yeah, that would be great. And uh, this was uh, David Pelletier, mm-hmm. and he and his brother – had margaritas, uh, Tia Juan's margaritas. And at the time, I think they had nine, nine restaurants. Okay. And I did something for their managers, and I did something for one of their locations. And then they came up with this rather bold idea to have me go to each one of their locations and do my programs, which were kind of a combination of um, education and team building and uh, entertainment and uh, really good ideas you know, kind of a motivational variety show. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, so I started doing this and they liked it. And I did it for like 17 years. I'd go to each one of their locations. And now they've got, I think, almost 23 locations. And then it got to be, you know, somewhat impractical to have me go to each location to do these programs. But, you know, I got very, um, very connected to their culture which was very strong on education, providing um, materials to help their, um, their staff to grow and to learn things that would help them, not just in the restaurant business, but, but in their lives. It was just, just an amazing opportunity. And um, as a result of, of speaking at Canyon Ranch, I, I got connected with the, uh, with the Applebee's franchisee in New York, Apple Metro. Um, I think they have like 30 or 35 restaurants and I've done programs for them. And then I met the uh, Applebee's corporate people and I did some work for them in Kansas city and, and many others. And I think that, well, how did that person get sick? That, that fateful night at, you know, <laughs> Canyon Ranch. It's like, you know, did they, where, did they eat bad shrimp? I mean, do I like owe my career to bad shrimp? Well, you know, did they not wear is. a sweater that night? And this, this is the butterfly effect, yeah. uh, a very important concept to understand how small, seemingly insignificant events or, or choices, you know, make you seem like one small thing. And then it turns out to change your whole career or change yeah. your whole life change everything. And, uh, you know, I, I do believe that 
we should be aware and honor those little things that happen because they, they can create opportunities. Oh, you know, there's one other thing I wanted to mention about um, different ships, same boat. The thing about the restaurant business, the hospitality and industry is that there's opportunities to learn things and to rise in your field, um, you know, within a restaurant to master skills and to have uh, what's, what's called a growth mindset. There's a, a really popular book right now called Mindset by a woman named Carol Dweck, D-W-E-C-K, college professor at Stanford. Carol Dweck, uh, her theory is that um, it's not just our talent that makes us a success, but it's do we approach our lives uh, with what she calls a fixed or growth mindset. Uh, in short, if you have a fixed mindset, you believe failure means something wrong with you. And if you have a growth mindset, you see uh, a failure or a stumbling block as an opportunity to grow and become better. Absolutely. And people in the restaurant business have growth mindsets. Absolutely. Especially the successful ones, because you're not going to do everything right. You're going to hit roadblocks, but it's how you recover, how you get back up, how you keep your eyes on the future, whatever vision you had for yourself that will keep you going. And Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, absolutely. And today, we're going to be talking about you know building positive, empathetic, and absolutely awesome teams. Uh, and this is what you do. And I think we've sold to the listeners that you you know what you're talking about. You're somebody we need to be listening to right now you're with the, the restaurants you've worked with and the, the, how you've helped. Uh, and I know you because uh, my good friend, somebody you worked with, uh, Courtney, somebody who's actually joined me here at Restaurant Unstoppable and, and is helping me a lot on the back end. Oh. She said, you, you got to get Jerry on the show. He's awesome. He's helped me so much. And um, and it, she's just had such incredible things to say about you. So we're going to... Voila, here <laughs> yeah, we are together. We made it happen. So I can't wait. And uh, what, what are you going to call these? There's six bullets that you sent me last night. And what are these six bullets? to you well the six bullets the, the first one is what does your staff want and what does your staff need mm. this is important because everyone is an individual it's not like oh the millennials want oh the baby boomers want oh the people in small towns want oh the people in cities want no everyone is an individual and they have individual strengths and they have individual needs. And to understand what your staff wants and what your staff needs, smart managers get to know their staff and get to understand them as individuals. This is really important to actually listen to what they have to say, to be active listeners, to ask good questions. I have four questions that I use in many of my workshops and, and my, my coaching, and the four questions are, what is important, what is meaningful, what is right for me, and what do I want most? So you can use that with your staff and your guests. What is important to your staff? What is meaningful to your staff? What is right for your staff? What does your staff want most? What, what is important to your guests? What is meaningful to your guests? What is right for your guests? What do your guests want most? There's an emotional component that is really important. People have feelings, and they want to feel good. They want to feel happy. People have a need to grow. They have a need to be honored for who they are. They have a need to be in an environment that promotes their development, that doesn't put them down, but helps them to, to rise up. 
and to understand each individual may take a little more work, but then you develop a team that is a real team because you understand them and because you understand the difference between people. People are different. They, we think differently. We believe differently. We have different biases. And some of our biases, I mean, they're, they're in the brain, you know, we're, we're not conscious of them. They are neurological, you know, they're, they're programmed in. And people see things differently. We all see things differently. We have different points of view. We have different perspectives. Um, and different things are important to us. One thing that I have learned about the restaurant business is that community, a sense of community, is, is an important benefit. That is, people like to be part of something. You know, they want to be on the team. They want to feel like they're supported, like people have their backs, that, that I am a member. And uh, the restaurant business, because you're working really closely with people, um, I found in the work I've, I've done for a lot of my clients to do a workshop that has the front of the house and the back of the house people in one session. Mm. That is, you got the, the, the prep cooks and the dishwashers and, and the line cooks. You have the hosts and you have the servers and you have the managers, you know, all in one workshop. And then the empathy is able to develop because people have to understand that everyone is human and everyone has needs and, you know, everyone is equal in opportunity and, uh, you know, front of the house, back of the house, we, we need each other. You know, no one is better than anyone else. And sometimes people have this idea, you know, that there are some positions that are more important than other positions, which is completely ridiculous. Yeah. Every position <laughs> is completely Absolutely. and crucially important. No, I was just saying, absolutely. Uh, and I mean, I guess the the only question I have, I mean, you, you said it so well, but you mentioned we need to listen and we need to feed those higher needs. And I can't help but think of Maslow's higher needs. So I feel like we we as managers and uh, restaurateurs, owners, chef proprietors, we all sometimes stop at just providing a paycheck. And those only meet the most basic needs. And it's those who tap into the higher needs of building that community, like you say, paying attention to those individual needs and creating something to belong to that's greater than all of us. Uh, when, you're, when your team is happy, the likelihood that your guests will be happy greatly increases. So uh, uh, when, when your staff is unhappy, when your staff is complaining and moaning and and you know, just not feeling good, that is going to translate, obviously, clearly. Um, I mean, people understand emotion. That is, we get emotional messages from the people who are our service providers. When I go into a restaurant, I know immediately, you know, is this a happy place <laughs> or is this not a happy place? And if it's not a happy place, I've walked out of restaurants, you know, just because the vibe was so bad. Mm. And it's because people were not happy. And you could tell. And you walk into a restaurant, for example, if the host is indifferent, if the host is chewing gum, if the host doesn't make eye contact, if the host doesn't smile at you, then you're getting a, a message. Mm. You are getting a message. And it's going to prime you to not have a great time. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, I mean... So 
let's wrap up this first bullet, which is what does your staff want? What does your staff need? In just like two sentences, we move on to the next one. Ask them what's important to you, what's meaningful to you, what's right for you, and what do you want most? How can I help you? How can I help you achieve your goals? I think that's a great way to work with your staff as, as a leader. You know, what are your goals and how can I help you achieve them? Awesome. And the second bullet that, we, that you sent me last night we're going to be covering right now is what does uh, or what do your guests want and what do your guests need? Is that just like what we just talked about, but just replacing the, the, the staff with the guests? Yeah. You know, guests want to be paid attention to. They want to be cared about. They want to be engaged. They want to feel like they're welcome. This is the hospitality industry. They want to feel like you're hospitable and spoken to like a real person, not, hey, guys, what do you want? Oh, hey, guys. Hey, guys. You know, I'm in a restaurant with my wife and, you know, the server's not not making eye contact and, you know, behaving like, like a robot and calling us guys over and over and over again. My wife says, why does she keep doing that? Say, well, she's not really paying attention to us. She's just, you know, reading her script. She's not engaged. And so it makes us, the guest, feel like, why do I want to go back? Mm. Guests are people, certainly, with emotions, with feelings. They want to be included, too. They want to feel like they're welcome and they're cared about and that they're not being treated like a robot-like service. So individual service, you know, look at your guests. Read your guests, you know, emotional state, you know, and, and respond to it. See what they, why they're there and how can you deliver the experience that's, that's going to make them happy. Yeah, and you know what I'm thinking about listening to you talk right now is it's not enough for you just to know what's important to your, your guests, what's meaningful to your guests, what's right to your guests, what's most uh, or, yeah, what's, all these things we just went over before, but – are you communicating these things to your team? Are, are, well, are you yeah. Taking, absolutely you are. And I think many people don't – they assume that their team, the staff, just knows these things. But no, they don't. people don't. No, they don't. Um, I find that good manners, etiquette even, social skills, they sometimes need to be taught. Sometimes people say that they're shy and then they're put in a position where they're in front of the public and they fail because they're not shown how to be more confident, you know, how to, how to be okay with communicating with people, how to take the, the, uh, the, the scariness or the threat out of it. But, you know, people, all people have similar needs mm. emotionally and empathy, empathy is a word or empathetic. It has to do with the ability or, or the capacity to understand what other people feel or what, or what other people are experiencing. Mm-hmm. It's the key to service recovery. Absolutely. Empathy is the key to service recovery. And so many businesses just get a fail on that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They, they just don't understand how 
to honor the feelings of the person to get, find out what they're feeling and to address their feeling because feelings often mean more than facts. Yeah, I have to be honest. You you sent me uh, this list last night, and I I didn't know exactly where we're going to be going. Um, and again, the the topic, the the main focus of today's discussion is around building positive, empathetic, and absolutely awesome teams. So I was curious. I was like, where is it going to go with what do your guests want? What do your guests need? If this is around building, uh, if the if the focus of the discussion is around your team, but you need to paint that picture of perfection for your team your staff, and, and it's all about the guest. So, well, it's, it's, it's called treatment transfer. Exactly. If you're the leader and you treat your staff respectfully and you care about them individually and you care enough to find out about them individually and how you can help them to achieve their goals in your restaurant, which will make your restaurant better, then they will, will turn around and treat their guest with that level of respect and caring, too. It's Absolutely. called treatment transfer. If you're a bully and, and you bully your staff, they're going to bully each other, and, and then they're going to bully their guest. Yeah, and it, I mean, part of that achieving success, like you said, too, is knowing what you're aiming for. And like we said earlier, like it's, it's many times the people that are on our team are young uh, emotionally developing people who haven't quite figured out all of the emotional uh you know intelligences that you're going to develop over time so you need to help them paint that picture of what to be looking for what matters to the guests so you can supply them with the resources the tools the knowledge to best serve the guest uh and make them happy because you can't well, just expect this is, the, this is the awesome thing i mean if you are the leader and you help your staff develop uh, emotionally and, and educationally, then you have changed the world. Mm. You have changed their world. It, it's so true. It, it, I know we all we all know people who who you know were hosts, you know, and now they run companies. And the reason that they run companies is because someone taught them as a host mm-hmm. the skill set and and the the attitudes. And the emotional intelligence to be great mm. and that they will always honor that. And then the people who help them along the way can feel like they have contributed to someone's life, their livelihood. This is what business owners get to do. You know, you get to change not just the life of the person, but their families. And the people that they're connected to and the, the, the children that they're going to have that they might not have had because they might not have met the person because, you know, they didn't have the social skills that you taught them. You know, know. that's the that's the butterfly effect. Absolutely. And I think we need to move on to the next bullet that you shared with me uh, on how to build positive, empathetic, absolutely awesome teams. And that is engagement is the goal. Indifference is the enemy. What do you mean that's by that? that? In, in a nutshell, engagement is, is paying attention to the person. Okay. That is, you are listening to them. You're not multitasking. You're not looking at your computer while you're having a meeting with someone. You're not looking at your iPhone. You're not, your mind is not wandering. Engagement means you are with the person. You are with your guest. You are with your staff. You are paying attention to them. You are listening to them. Your mind is on them. You are mindful of what they're saying. You are engaged. Mm. You are engaged with your job. You are engaged with your guest. You are engaged with your team. 
Indifference is another name for, oh, whatever, uh, whatever, you know, I'm indifferent. Yeah, how you doing? Okay, yeah, welcome. All right, all right. Yeah, yeah, we'll be right with you. Oh, hi, you want to start with a drink? Okay, yeah, well, yeah. Indifference. Indifference is I have other things on my mind that are more important than you. Mm. Engagement is the goal. Indifference is the enemy. If, you, if you're a leader, you want to be engaged with your people, and then your people have a higher likelihood of being engaged with your guest. If you are a service provider and you are engaged with your guest, your guest will feel it, that you are paying attention to them. Nothing makes a person feel worse than being ignored, mm-hmm. you know, not being, not being acknowledged. And so when it comes to guest service and when it comes to leadership, I think these two statements are really powerful. Yeah. Engagement is the goal. Indifference is the enemy. And we're, I, I just finished an interview with Chef Adam Lamb, like I had mentioned before, and some, some of the things we were discussing are, are just reminding me because this is, this is the, the conversation is so fresh in my head, and we're talking about how do you uh, take you – know, how do you get that mastery of your business? And in that conversation, we were talking about you have to be able to get mastery of yourself, but you also have to uh, inspire, be able to inspire others. And where does that start? Uh, one of the, the, the things he says is that it's in, to truly inspire others, you need, you need to show them that you care. And it needs to be that's authentic it. and genuine. And, and that's, in my opinion, is the best way to in, engage is through genuine, authentic caring. Uh, oh, yeah. You, you uh, you know, being inauthentic, mm. you know, sucks. <laughs> you yeah. know, it's awful. Uh, being phony. Nobody yeah. likes it. Absolutely. Uh, awesome stuff. Any other thing you want to mention on just engagement and indifference? Nope. That's awesome. it in a nutshell. Great. We're just going to take a quick break to thank our sponsors, and then we'll dive into the fourth uh, key to developing a positive, empathetic, amazing team. Now, let me ask you a question. Are you actually selling food and beverage or are you just taking orders from a menu that says, here's what we have and here's what it costs? Blah. Modern consumers are addicted to smart devices and visual media is the best way to engage them with information. That is why more restaurants today are replacing their paper menus with Menuvative by iMenuTech. It's simple. Menuvative replaces your paper menus with tablets. This provides more room for photography, descriptive language, and wine pairings. Suggestive selling is now an inherent part of the modern menu experience. In my opinion, here's the best part. Menuvative preserves the integrity of the classic dining experience because it's not a kiosk and it does not replace the impactful service experience. What it does do is reduce costs, increase sales, improve more marketing and provide a better guest experience by being more informative to learn more head over to imenutech.com again that's imenutech.com when you're running a busy restaurant it's pretty hard to find time for training well tipsy has a whole library of video courses from industry experts including world barista champions marketing gurus and customer service superstars Get your staff watching Tipsy courses and watch their growth help your business. With Tipsy, scheduling training, tracking skills growth, and measuring engagement is a piece of cake. In the hospitality industry, we never have enough time, so training often falls away. But as management legend Andy Grove says, the only two ways to improve performance are training and motivation. 
Tipsy provides both. Click the Tipsy banner in the show notes to find out more. Because your Restaurant Unstoppable listeners, you'll receive a special 50% off your first month. What are you waiting for? Get on it. All right. The uh, next key to building these positive and empathetic teams is understanding and managing stress and anger. Uh, these are the neurosciences, right, that we can use? Yeah, it's, it's understanding your brain. Mm. This is really important. You know, there are things that cause people to stress out. Different people stress out over different things. Mm-hmm. And some stimuli makes people lose their cool. That is, they rant, they rave, they yell, they throw a tantrum. They have a meltdown. I mean, nothing, nothing is, you know, less attractive than an adult throwing a tantrum. And they're triggers that are unique to the individual, you know, that cause these different responses, um, like feeling disrespected or feeling insulted or some people being told what to do. Mm-hmm. Don't tell me what to do or unfairness. If I think something is unfair, um, stressing out, I say, is suffering from high levels of worry or tension or anxiety. I've defined losing your cool as like ranting, throwing a tantrum, raging. And we've seen that in adults. And keeping your cool is staying calm, making rational choices. So stress. Stress is, in fact, the body's response to a threat whether it's real or imagined. It's a biochemical reaction Mm -hmm. in our body. And the things that trigger the stress are things that individual, that is on an individual level, is perceived or interprets, interprets as a threat. It may not really be a threat, but if my nervous system interprets it as a threat, a threat to my money, a threat to my dignity, a threat to my ego, a threat to my my whatever it is that that my brain sees it as a threat and then i get this response which is mostly involuntary the stress response and involuntary responses are triggered uh, by structures in the limbic system of the brain that is it's a part of the brain that it does not reason it does not think it is not rational it is purely flight or fight mm-hmm. response part of the brain It is an automatic part of the brain. This part of the brain, (laughs) well, our ancestors, it saved their lives because, you know, if if you were taking a walk, you know, thousands of years ago and there was a rustle in, in the bushes that you thought could be an animal that wants to eat you, you don't think, wow, I wonder if that's an animal that wants to eat me. No, your limbic system immediately (laughs) triggers, you know, the flight or fight response. So... When our brain interprets a signal that comes through our senses as as a threat, a series of reactions are set off and the body prepares itself for danger. Mm -hmm. And we share this with other animals as programmed into our genes. And this response prepared early humans for actual physical dangers, but it's still in our brain. It's still there. So how to deal with this? Well, cognitive appraisal means... We define, we frame it, we interpret, we think, we reason. Uh, Cognitive distortions are, well, they use the cliche, making mountains out of molehills. We we take something that is merely an inconvenience and we turn it into a major threat. So how how do you do this? Well, there are different ways to do this. I find one of the easiest ways 
is to ask yourself questions about what is the trigger? Why did the trigger happen? Mm -hmm. uh, because when you're asking yourself questions, you're going into a different part of the brain. You're going into the prefrontal cortex, which is more rational. It's the thinking part of the brain. Um, I find questions like, um, what's my most appropriate response? Um, can I see this as a challenge? You know, if I can look at my so-called problems as challenges, then I'm using a part of the brain, how can I solve this problem to look for a solution? Is there something I can learn from this? Uh, when we take things really personally, you can ask yourself, well, how much of this is about me and how much isn't? So much of the time, it's not about me at all. You know, I, uh, you get a guest that comes into the restaurant and they're already in a bad mood. You didn't cause it. Mm. They, they, you know, maybe they have an upset stomach already. Maybe they are dealing with some major stresses in their life and they come in and the host is nice to them and kind and they're gruff or they're, they're rude. And then the host is like, what did I do? You didn't do anything. You know, it, it, it was not about you. And when we understand that, that sometimes it's, it's not about us. And the Viktor Frankl quote is really terrific. Mm -hmm. You know, stimulus, response, space, to pause. The pause is, is a key. And to give yourself reminders, you know, little reminders, sayings, quotations, that if you focus on them enough, then it starts to become part of your habit pattern and you start to pause and think about what is causing the stress or what is causing the anger. What is the cause? What is the trigger? And if I become more aware of those triggers, then I am in a much better position to do everything, to deal with people, to, to manage myself. It's, it's like a miracle when it happens and it happens when you reinforce it enough times, you know, practice to remind yourself. And essentially, that's, that's kind of the easy way to do it, I think. Yeah, and we talked a lot about the inner workings of what's happening in the brain, and, uh, but we didn't really talk about uh, why it's so important to not let your emotions get the best of you. And what are some of the things that happen on the outside? And I guess I'm going to, uh, you know go a little deeper in saying like with emotional intelligence, it's, it's, it's about knowing your own emotions and it's about knowing, recognizing the emotions of other people. And oh, sure. That said, well, we need to be aware of what our emotions are saying to other people. Well, yeah. I mean, we're, <laughs> we're always sending messages. Exactly. And people are always sending messages to us. If I'm stressed out or I'm angry and I don't deal with it, then my body language is going to say, I'm angry. Mm -hmm. And my voice is going to say, I'm angry. Mm -hmm. And that's going to impress <laughs> upon the nervous system of my guest and of my coworkers. And they may in turn get defensive. Yep. And yep. I don't want that. I want open and I want happy. Um, of course, there are different ways of dealing with, with these situations. And cognitive ways... Mm. Is it's about thinking in a way that enables you to navigate and manage without getting defensive yeah. and without uh, drawing conclusions. I I was at Grand Central Station in New York and I wanted a cookie because 
I like cookies, and I'm at this food place, and there's a line of people, and a lot of the people online are, are rude to the person behind the counter. They're obviously stressed out, and the person behind the counter is being cool and calm and smiling at everyone, and some people, their attitude changes instantly because of this nice attitude by the person behind the counter. That's, uh, that's because emotions are contagious, by that's the way. amazing. It really, they, um, they are, and it's so powerful, but I mean, I think the, the most important thing to recognize, and the, Emotional intelligence is, I mean, some people are, are, they they have it more naturally than others, but it can also be developed uh, and, you know, uh, and created over time. Um, You can learn it. The first, and, and you, I think, you should learn it. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Especially if you're in this business. But I think, I think the most important thing to know is that the first step is to, when you, you know, you got to recognize the emotion, but to take that pause and over time you'll develop, you know, your ways of dealing with those emotions when you recognize them, but just take the pause and just hit the switch. Guess what? We're human. We have a frontal lobe, which allows us to decide and choose what emotion we're going to have. We can well, do yeah, that. If, if we, if, if we enable ourselves to use the, the, the prefrontal cortex, yes, exactly. two, two things. I, the, so I got up to the, to the person behind the counter with my cookie, and I said, you are so calm and you are so pleasant <laughs> in, the, in the presence of these people who seem to be stressed and rude, and you're changing some of those lives. What, how, do you, how do you stay so calm? And she said to me the following words. She said, it makes me feel good to be charitable. Mm. And I thought, it makes me feel good to be charitable. And that is her particular method of, of you know, how she frames it. Now, you know, when we say people press my buttons, yep. you know, this person really presses my buttons. Yep. So I developed this little reminder, and I call it the snip it technique. Snip it. S-N-I-P. Snip. Mm-hmm. Um, which can be an acronym for stop negativity, I perceive. Anyway, what you do is when someone is annoying you, uh, you imagine that they are, quote, unquote, pressing your button, and you can imagine it as a doorbell that they are pressing this button, and the button has a wire that goes directly into your limbic system. <laughs> and in your mind, you take this big pair of scissors and you snip it. You snip the wire. And in your mind, you actually see yourself cutting this wire be, be, be between this doorbell and your brain. And when you do this, it kind of enables you to go up upstairs <laughs> to the prefrontal cortex and see things through a different filter or a different frame because, in essence, you are taking some uh, control of the situation mentally. Mm. You know, you are saying, snip it. I'm cutting it free. I'm not engaging in this. I'm, I'm not engaging. I'm not getting defensive. I don't need to. I don't want to. Snip it. Mm-hmm. Snip it. Absolutely. And it becomes code. And you associate the word with the activity of going into your prefrontal cortex, mm-hmm. actually. You know, it becomes a symbol. It becomes a, a visual. And I used to teach this a lot. And man, there are people to this day that, that I taught this technique to like 20 years ago, you know, and I, I see them or they'll be on my Facebook page and they'll go, 
snippet. Yeah. And, and, and like, <laughs> and I go, you remember that? They go, yeah, I use it every day. And I go, great, great. It's it, it, just that trigger of, you know, that snip is the trigger to stop the negative behavior. But it's also exactly. a trigger it's to a, it's, go it's into a, the positive habit that you exactly. have developed for yourself to, to do this when I get into this situation. Yeah, um, it's, it's, a, it's a pattern interrupt. Yeah, you are interrupting the the pattern of the limbic system freaking out. Yeah, and the effect uh, to come full circle, the effect of losing your cool and being stressed out is, you know, you have those emotions. Your 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 body is saying one thing. Danny Myers calls this skunking. Uh, you your emotions skunk the entire room, and it it has a, a multiplying effect, a snowballing effect, if you will. And before you oh, know yeah. it, the entire room can smell your skunkiness. And it well, just, emotion, it, emotions are contagious. <laughs> yeah, positive exactly. and negative. Positive and negative emotions are contagious this is a very important teaching that every human needs to know this because it makes us more accountable you know we're more accountable for our um, for our moods you know i can't i can't serve the public if i'm in a crappy mood mm-hmm. it's not a good idea I'm sending, you know, negative messages throughout the universe. Not a good idea. <laughs> Absolutely. So just to like kind of summarize this bullet, if you, if you see yourself going in that direction, if, recognize whether it be stress, whether you're, you know, it's a Friday night, you have, you know, seven covers and people are asking to move their seats and they reordering and canceling orders and you're just finding yourself getting into the weeds snip it because that it. that negativity that that anxiety you're developing inside of you uh is not going to serve you or your guests and you know this, whether it's stress or anger just snip it because it's not serving snip anyone. it and it, it. And, it, and it'll make you smile mm, so it, because <laughs> you, you did something proactive in your head that's like a really cool thing yeah it's so cool i mean it may seem a little dorky but in reality it's it's science i love it so we're gonna move on because we still got two more bullets to cover in our time and that, that okay. uh, fifth bullet is ways to prime yourself for a positive shift so how do we prime ourselves for positive shifts Okay, there are a number of ways. Um, I will share with you some of the best ways. Okay. I think the very best way is to get a piece of paper and write down 10 things that you are extremely grateful for. Mm. Gratitude work is one of the easiest ways to shift yourself into a positive mood. And an easy way to do this is to think about things in your life, people, situations, possessions, that you would really miss if you didn't have it. And those are the things that could go on your list, the things that you're grateful for. Mm. Now, that's one way, because for many people, focusing on the things that make you feel grateful shift you immediately into a positive state. So that's one thing. Um, if, if If you've read a book that really inspires you, or you saw a movie that inspires you, or you have a hero or a role model that inspires you, make a list of those things. Mm. I call it the inspiration list. And real and, quick, just before you, you move on, I, I want to – one thing I do, uh, I practice gratitudes. I, I write it in my journal every morning. I, I, I reflect on what I want to do. I reflect on the day before. I reflect on my future and what goals I have for myself. And I always wrap it up with listing two things I'm grateful for. Uh, so take that time. Make that time. Every morning, make it part of your routine to, to express those gratitudes. It's so powerful. Gratitude work is extremely powerful in many ways if you do it. Mm-hmm. I mean, lots of people know about doing a gratitude journal. 
where perhaps you write down five things a day or five or six days a week, five things that make you feel grateful, and little things, big things, medium things. And over time, your life changes because you start to notice things in your life that you normally take for granted, which is practically everything. Mm -hmm. And now you find yourself living in a different world, and you become more patient. Generally, you become more compassionate, more empathetic, um, and maybe most importantly, more resilient. Um, gratitude work has been proven uh, to increase resilience, the ability to bounce back from, from difficulty and mm -hmm. adversity. Um, I teach a class in this, uh, and it's very popular because people know gratitude's good. All right. And I think I interrupted you and I apologize. You were talking about the power. So we're out ta discussing ways to prime yourself for a positive shift. Uh, was this a list of 10 things to go through or do you make 10 things? Do you list out 10 gratitudes? Yeah. Just write down 10 things that make you feel deeply grateful Okay, and, and think and think and think about them. And what else but can we do to uh, prime ourselves? Make a list of things that inspire you ongoing. Um, you want to be on the lookout for people who inspire you, stories that inspire you, role models who inspire you, and write them on a list. Then, when you read your list, you, you become more inspired. When you become more inspired, you prime yourself to do a better job because you are in a more inspired, more courageous mode. When you think about people who have overcome adversity or people who have become really successful and who are really... Uh, inspirational people, and you think about them, then it tends to encourage us to also be inspirational, mm. to, to, to do inspirational work, it's so um, true. to feel like we have, we have the courage and we have the opportunity too. You know, to do those things. As someone who's made a career, is trying to make a career out of uh, studying inspir inspiring people, I can contest that it makes you feel like a half-asser when you just don't reach that same level of, like, like it brings you up. You're the average of the five people you surround yourself with, right? So if you're surrounding yourself with these oh, amazing I don't know people... If that's, I don't know if that's absolutely true. <laughs> well, I, I can say that I totally, like, I, I get inspired surrounding myself with people who, in this industry, are just doing amazing things, and it makes me want to step up my game every day. So Yeah, I, yeah, that. Yeah, people who inspire you, absolutely. Um, you think about them, and you think about, well, what about them do I want to uh, emulate, or what about them do I honor, mm -hmm. and, and I would like to embody that, too. Mm -hmm. You know, it could be a spiritual leader, it could be a social leader, you know, it could be someone who overcame tremendous adversity. I find those people very inspirational to me. Absolutely. I mean, how could I complain about something so petty you know, when I think about Dr. Frankel or Helen Keller or, you know, just people who overcame adversities, real heavy-duty adversities, then it makes my little things like, yeah, yeah, what do I have to complain about, really? Absolutely. And then, Absolutely. then you, you're on a different mindset. You're seeing things a little differently. Same thing with doing gratitude work, you know? I mean, how often when we take a shower do we say, I'm grateful I have hot running water? Uh -huh. But there are some people who do not have hot running water. So, and, and if the water, you know, if, if, a, if 
well, if the pipe breaks and you don't have running water, you definitely miss it. Yeah, you or know, but, if you experience the worst drought in whatever, how many years yeah, it's been this exactly. past summer. Trust me, I missed my hot, long showers this summer. Yeah. Uh, so I totally, it's a great analogy. So right now for uh, ways to prime yourself for a positive shift, we have make a list of gratitudes, uh, make a list of people or things that inspire you. What else are we doing to start this positive shift? Well, what we're doing is we're, we're assembling a group of sayings, affirmations, or mottos mm-hmm. that are meaningful to us. They could be quotations. They could be sayings. Sometimes we call them affirmations. What they are are positive triggers. You know, they are reminders to think a certain way or to see things in a certain perspective mm-hmm. and to keep the ones that are relevant to you and are real for you and are inspiring to you. Mm-hmm. Um, some years ago on, uh, on Saturday Night Live, you know, in the earlier days, um, there was uh, a guy named Al Franken. And Al Franken is now a senator uh, in Minnesota, right? <laughs> Al Franken, senator from Minnesota. On Saturday Night Live, he would do a skit uh, called uh, Daily Affirmation, and he played a character named Stuart Smalley who would look into the mirror and he would say, I'm good enough, I'm smart enough, and doggone it, people like me. <laughs> and then he would, he would do his thing. And ever since then, the idea of affirmation seems like stupid, you know, like, I'm a millionaire, you know, I'm, I have everything. Well, those are not good affirmations. A, a good affirmation is something that is a, a true statement, you know, like, I have the ability to do a great job today, or I can choose my attitude today, or I make my choices based on the outcomes I most desire. Um, and I remind myself of something that is a positive trigger, just like stress has triggers. There are stress triggers. You can also have positive triggers. So those are my three suggestions to have a group of positive sayings. They could be mottos, quotations, affirmations that are all positive triggers for you, that are all meaningful to you. List of people and things and books and movies and superheroes that inspire you, that when you think about them, it causes you to want to embody their best qualities. And then the gratitude journal, you know, either doing it every day, which is a great idea, or before work, Take a piece of paper, write down 10 things that make you feel grateful. Uh, Also to have music that uh, puts you into a positive state. I love that trick. I I absolutely love blasting positive music at the end of a shift when we're all cleaning up. Nobody likes to clean. uh, But if you put on 60s classics, I'm telling you right now, the mood is going to change in that kitchen. Uh, there's so many positive. Just just go to old right. or on a Pandora station, and everybody yeah, will start you got it exactly. Do you know <laughs> you know who the golfer uh, Rory McIlroy is? No, I uh, know the Rory name. Rory McIlroy but... is, is championship golfer. Yeah. So I was on an airplane recently, and I was reading one of my favorite magazines, Sky Mall, and there was an ad for uh, for Bose earbuds, and it was Rory McIlroy, and he said when I was playing my winning round. I had this song going in my head over and over again, and now when I want to feel that winning feeling, all I need to do is listen to that song. Oh, awesome. I love it. So if you have a positive association, either the song itself, you know, is cheerful and uplifting, or you have an association with that song that is your own association that makes you feel, you know, especially happy or powerful, Mm -hmm. 
I love it. And then and then there's the power pose that uh, is taught on on a very popular TED talk where you you stand like a superhero for two minutes. <laughs> You put your hands on your hips and you you imagine that you are like a superhero for two minutes. You know, called power another, pose. Another one I can't remember where I heard it. Uh, if, if you if your hands on your hip, if you want to do that, another thing that people do uh, to as far as like your uh, your body will actually release. Well, smiling's one thing. Uh, it will actually make you feel better to smile. But if you also put your hands over your head, like you scored a, like a soccer goal or whatever, like that is a, a natural. Uh, response to success, uh, accomplishment. That's true. So if That's you true. if you do that power pose, or if you put your hands over your head, like you will, your bo- putting your body into those positions will affect uh, how you feel. That's, it's so powerful. There's so many cool things coming out in this interview. That's true. Um, a good uh, bit of information on this is a TED talk uh, by Amy Cuddy, C U D D Y. Um, Amy Cuddy uh, teaches Harvard Business School, very popular TED Talk. It's on how your body language affects your physiology and your attitude. Um, Amy Cuddy, uh, very popular. I'll and have she, that in the show notes. She really promoted the, the, uh, the power pose, which you know has really entered the popular culture uh, this year awesome. <laughs> or last year <laughs> or the year before, whenever that was. So we have one more bullet to cover, uh, the last bullet, and it is, uh, the, again, just to go – Ariel, again, building positive, empathetic, absolutely awesome teams. This last bullet is practice makes habit, rewiring yeah. the brain uh, for better results. Yes. Um, people sometimes give up because they think it's supposed to happen right away, mm. you know, to become more empathetic or kinder or more patient or the ability to snip it before you snap. Mm. You know, the ability to do these things takes practice and it takes incremental practice, mm-hmm. meaning it happens little by little. It doesn't happen right away. And it happens at different frequencies for different people at different times. When you recognize that something is, is a worthy habit, then you don't give up on it. You just keep on going. How long does it take? Well, a very significant uh, bit of neuroscience can be seen in a, um, in a YouTube video by a guy named Destin, who does a video blog called Smarter Every Day. And there's an edition of Smarter Every Day called Backward Brain Bicycle. Hmm. And I'll tell you about this because it's really significant. So this guy Destin is an engineer, and he works with a welder who took a regular bicycle and rigged up a gear mechanism in the steering column. So when the rider turns the handlebars to the right, the front wheel goes to the left. And when the rider turns the handlebars to the left, the front wheel goes to the right, you know, the opposite of what it normally does. Welder says to Destin, go ahead, ride the bike. So he gets on and he falls over. He cannot ride the bike, even though cognitively he knows how it's rigged. But his brain is wired to ride the bike the normal way because he has ridden the bike the normal way all of his life. And no matter how hard he tried, he could not ride the bike. So he goes on lecture tour. He offers people $200 if they can ride the bike for 10 feet. No one can do it. If you watch the video, you just see people from all over the world falling over for a couple of minutes trying to ride the bike. (laughs) Then Destin says, I am going to practice riding this bicycle for five minutes a day until I can ride this bicycle. I'm going to practice every day for five minutes until I can ride this bicycle. took him eight months. Wow. Eight months of daily practice. 
And then he said it was as if something clicked in his brain after eight months. If he gave, if he gave up after seven months, it would not have yeah. happened. You know, it's all, I mean, I have six months. It's like, I can't do this. Yeah. And that's what people do. They give up. Absolutely. They oh, I can't do it. Well, it's, you'd need more practice. Anyway, um, he has a six-year-old son, and they built a bike for him. It took him two weeks. Because mm. kids have more neuroplasticity than adults. Although adults still have neuroplasticity, means we can learn new stuff. We can rewire our habit patterns. But it takes practice, and the practice is unique to the individual. That's why we have to decide, what, why do I want to be better? What do I want to be better at? What do I want to change? What habits do I want to develop? How much do I want to do it? And am I willing to do the work? Mm. Often the work is not hard work, but the work is progressive, incremental work. Mm. Absolutely. I'm, I'm, I'm a very good ukulele player. I, I, have, I have 11 songs. I can play them really well. <laughs> but it took me a long time, you know, to get the first song. I just, it just did. You know, it was kind of ridiculous, you know. I, but then, you know, after a certain point, I could do it. And then the more I did it, the better I got. And now I'm, like, really good. And you go, oh, you can really play that. And I go, yeah, I practiced. You know, I could read about it. I could read books about it. I could visualize it. I could write affirmations about it. But unless I actually practice, I'm not going to get the skill. And that's the way it is with all of these things that we talked about. You can manage stress better. Uh, you can prime yourself to be in a better emotional state. You can be a better communicator. You, you can be more engaged. You can do this. But you have to want to, you have to remember to, and then you have to practice those three things. Remember to do it. No, for, uh, note, uh, recognize that it's good for you. Recognize it. Remember it. Practice it. Mm, I love it. And I'm just curious if, if there's three habits uh, that are worth developing uh, that will make us better starting today, what would you say those three habits are? If you could just pick three. Well, I would say uh, learn to snip it. <laughs> <laughs> snip before you snap uh, gratitude work mm -hmm. any kind of intentional gratitude practice and if if you go to my blog I have a blog which is on WordPress it's uh, Jerry Posner one word dot wordpress dot com and if you go there and you scroll down I have what I call gratitudes it's uh, the handout for my gratitude talk that I give and it has uh, eight tools uh, including the gratitude journal. And I think that intentional gratitude practice is, is one of the very, very best things that, that anyone can do. Awesome. So I highly recommend that. And then um, to be mindful of the triggers, of the stress triggers, to be mindful of them is, is a really good skill. That is, when you get angry or when you get sad or when you feel down, Try to determine what made you feel that way specifically. You know, what was the trigger and then specifically what was the feeling? Not I feel bad, but, but how, what to label, label the emotion. Uh, this has become a very popular uh, bit of advice in, in the positive psychology movement to label the emotion. What are you actually feeling mm. to develop a more 
um, varied and accurate emotional vocabulary. You know, just go on Wikipedia and, and go for list of emotions, and you could see all of the variations of, of how to describe feelings. And it's highly recommended to label the feeling, you know, when you have a feeling to accurately label it. By doing that, you're actually working out of your prefrontal cortex, and you have a little bit more flexibility or a lot more flexibility in whether you want to stay in that state or whether you want to do something, get out of that state. I'm curious when you identify the trigger, my instinct would be to identify what triggers you. Do you remove the trigger? Do you try to fix the trigger or do you just, no, you, 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 you notice it. And by noticing it, the, the anger or the rage or the stress tends to (laughs) slip away. It tends to be diminished. Mm. When you, when you recognize it. Okay. Now, this is not 100% for all people at all times. You know, we, we are different in, in, you know, how we assimilate this information and how we use it. But ultimately, it comes back to um, are you conscious of, of how you want to respond? That is, I want to choose my behavior. I want to choose my impact. You know, this, this thing that is, is bugging me, I look at it as a challenge that I will meet. Not I'm a victim of circumstance, but this is a challenge that I will meet. Mm-hmm. Um, I was diagnosed with cancer four years ago, and it was moderately aggressive as an intermediate stage when I was diagnosed. And, you know, part of my brain is going, oh, my God. And the other part of my brain is going, well, what do I need to do? Mm. You know, what do I need to do? If I see it as a challenge, I'm going to be more proactive. I'm going to do something about it. I'm going to look for an oncologist. I'm going to put it out to my network. You know, I'm going to get advice. If I feel like I'm a victim of circumstance, then I, I might not do too much. I might just sit home and feel really bad and eat too many carbs. <laughs> so, you know, I find that, and I'm cancer-free now, by the way. I had, I, I had surgery, and I had really good care, and... You know, I I was lucky because I was diagnosed. Mm. You know, some men, this is prostate cancer. Some men aren't diagnosed and, you know, they die or they get really sick. I was lucky. I was very lucky. And I I look at that. And I was at Brigham and Women's in Boston for the surgery, and I was feeling extremely grateful. And I was happy. And the nurses were looking at me and going, do you know why you're here? (laughs) Yeah. But I'm so grateful that I'm getting such good care. Mm. And I meant it. And I think that's because I've been doing gratitude work for a long time. You know, I probably would have been different had I not been doing that work. Because that habit that was habit. developed. It's there for you now to serve you. Awesome. Uh, this was an amazing chat, Jerry. I had so much fun just talking, uh, learning from you. Uh, just totally ins- inspirational. I- I'm, I- I'm so happy you came on the show. Uh, we wrap up every episode by calling somebody out so who's one restaurant professional somebody uh you admire preferably somebody in the the independent sector that you think would be a great guest mentor on the show oh well i don't know what their availability is but uh but dave and and john pelletier uh the the founders of margaritas oh i would love these guys are fabulous guys they are just wonderful people uh, they developed a culture where there was a lot of caring in, in their culture and, and respect for the development. 
of of the staff, and their company has grown tremendously. Uh, but but these were the founders, and and the you know they they started the company, and they're really terrific guys. Awesome. Yeah, I would love to get them on the show. I've, I've always admired uh, the Margaritas team and what they do over there. I've seen their behind the scenes. I've seen how much work they, they put into training and developing their people. Uh, they're so organized. I know. Uh, it's awesome. It, yeah, they would be great guests. So if you guys are listening, I'd love to get you on the show. <laughs> and uh, Jerry, let the folks at home know um, how we can connect with you if they want to maybe uh, pick up your books or uh, just dive deeper into your work. How can we connect? Okay. Well, my two books are available on Amazon. Uh, one is called Attention Late Bloomers, You're Right on Time. And the other book is called Eternal Cosmic Wisdom at Bargain Basement Prices. Um, if you really liked my, my talk, you would like my books. They're just like me in book form. Um, you have to have a sense of humor. <laughs> to read my books. So if you don't have a sense of humor, do not get my books. So I, uh, a good place to connect with me is LinkedIn. Uh, you could connect with me on LinkedIn, which is good. Um, you could read my blog, which is www.jerryposner.wordpress.com. Um, you could just do a Google search for me, Jerry Posner, and find my website and stuff like that. And it's Jerry with a J, J E R R Y P O S N E R. And uh, I'm pretty easy to find on uh, on the web. And if you can't remember all that, just remember episode 273. I'll have links in the show notes uh, right there to make it easier for you. So just re- head over to restaurantunstoppable.com slash 273. You'll find all those links. And uh, just some, you know, listening to you talk, uh, just some calls to action, some some additional books I'll, I'll, I'll list in the show notes because uh, they're just, they really do- dive deeper into some of the things we we're talking about, specifically uh, managing your emotions. Uh, so emotional Intelligence by Daniel Goldman. Uh, I'm listening to right now, and it's an amazing book. And then also The Power of Habit, um, which is another. Oh, that's book. a good one. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. I just finished that before starting Emotional Intelligence, and um, these are. If you want to learn more about habit and managing your emotions, those are two additional resources that are very. Also, um, I I always recommend um, The Happiness Advantage uh, by Sean Aker. Um, he taught positive psychology at Harvard, and uh, it's a good introduction to positive psychology, which is, in essence, the study of, of happiness and well-being. So I like, that, I like that book. There are a lot of books that seem to have a lot of the same type of information in it these days. Um, so I like that one. I like Happiness Advantage. And I do like the, uh, the Habit book that you mentioned as well. That yeah, is a good book. That is good. And uh, I know that The Power of Habit and uh, Emotional Intelligence are both on audio. If you guys have not discovered The Power of Audiobooks, I'm telling you, it will change your life. It has changed mine. Head over to audibletrial.com slash unstoppable to get your free book today. Um, and I'm telling you, you, you will. these are two books that are definitely worth reading if you or all is i wonder if that the happiness book is on audible i'm not sure but at, at least um, i would think probably but yeah. i'm not positive so those are some good places to start uh to you know start growing yourself professionally jerry i had such a blast talking to you man uh it was an honor to have you on the show there is no questioning you are unstoppable <laughs> That's right. I am unstoppable. <laughs> Cheers.
Another episode wrapped up here at Restaurant Unstoppable. Jerry Posner, wow, that was awesome. Uh, tons of just nuggets, little bombs of knowledge spread all all over the place in this episode. I had a blast talking to you. And um, one thing I think we could do just to wrap up today, one thought to leave you with is, um, I mean, there, there was tons of great advice here, but something that really stood out to me was just that mentality of, you know, knowing your emotion and recognizing the emotion pausing or what what Jerry calls just snipping snipping that emotion taking a time out pausing and reflecting on what's causing this emotion what's triggering it like and how what can i do to move beyond it or to uh get myself in the right headspace get myself where i need to be to to serve my team to serve my mission at the fullest you know potential uh, this can be applied. I mean, today when we were talking, we were, we were, you know, using examples in the restaurant or, you know, re- reminding your team that if you're in the weeds to, to know that stress is an emotion. And if you're, if you're angry to know that anger is an emotion, but you on your entrepreneurial, your, your, your journey, uh, of opening your own restaurant, you're going to experience emotions. Uh, you're going to get stressed out that it's not happening as fast as you want it to be happening. You're going to be stressed out that uh, you're not getting the, the funding that you need. You're going to get stressed out when you think you you know what it's going to take and then you start pulling back the layers and there's, you know, you're, you're coming over new problems that you didn't anticipate. Like, you're going, you're going to encounter emotions everywhere in your life, especially if you want to become an entrepreneur or a restaurateur. Your life will be an emotional roller coaster. So take the lesson that we learned today of knowing that you have the ability to snip that emotion or to to you have the ability to to recognize emotions and take control of them. Don't let them take control of you. Uh, just stay positive, uh, stay optimistic, keep moving forward, and over time. Uh, things will happen in your favor, but you've got to stay positive. You've, you've got to work hard. And I think that's just a great way to kind of, uh, a great thought to leave or wrap up on today. Um, and then lastly, like always shoot me those emails, Eric at restaurant Eric with a C. I love hearing from you. I love finding out who you want to hear from on the shows or just what you like about the show or what I can do to change the show to provide more value i'm open to suggestions i'm always learning this is never gonna this is a never-ending process of improving for me uh and and your your feedback helps so much then uh keep those uh, messages on facebook coming i love those messages on facebook and uh also the one-on-one calls Uh, i love talking i love sitting down just having a phone call with you guys or a skype conversation meeting you face to face let me pick you up let me keep you going let me give you an ear to, that will listen to your stories like or your your concerns or maybe you just can get your thought outs i can help you with that and uh maybe even you can tell me how i can serve you with the podcast or maybe i can connect you with a past guest these are just some examples of the things i can do to serve you so uh and then keep those five star reviews and itunes and stitcher radio coming they really help validate the uh effort i'm putting into creating this resource for this incredible industry that i love so much uh thank you guys so much for sticking around to the very end until next time peace out